to the Big Finish sales event going on now at Bettenhausen Jeep on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Bettenhausen has hundreds of new Jeeps to choose from, including the all-new 2022 Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. Your best Jeep buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. 100.3 HD2. And the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley and Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Um, probably not as tired as you are. I was thinking maybe another three rounds of shootouts after that first period, 26 minutes of actual time. There's not a whole lot going on. And you knew where that was going, right? They were going to wait a while to, to determine that one. And unfortunately, the beloved Hawks uh, end up on the short end of the shootout. Yes, it was uh, another fantastic performance from Marc-Andre Fleury, mm. his fourth shutout as a Blackhawk. The save he made on Rupe Hintz at the end of the second period was just was magnificent. I mean, that was uh, that's, you know, that's the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. That's why he's kept them in games. And I thought then watching Soderblom on Thursday night, Arvid, as we like to call him in the business, his uh second or third NHL start, uh, you really got the dose of what life is going to be like oh without Marc-Andre Fleury when You're not kidding. he's probably dealt before the March 21st trade deadline. Yeah, nothing against Arvid and, you know, experience and seasoning, certainly better help. But, um, yeah, that, that this is, it's all been the flower show. And um, interesting that he addressed possibility of being moved this uh when when asked this week saying he hasn't talked to the team but certainly he believes his agent has and and you know talked about wanting to compete and and also allowed he wants to play another season that this is not the swan song for him no matter uh certainly he won't be here next year but will he be here after march 21 is the the question yeah and i i think what he had to say this week was basically that you know, he wants to be on a winner. He said that he hasn't talked to the Blackhawks yet about being traded or being, uh, you know, giving his, his list of 10 teams that he doesn't want to go to. Uh, but he did say his agents have been in contact with the Blackhawks and he wants to win. He loves his time here. He has nothing bad to say about the Blackhawks. The only thing he wished is, is that they won more. And so at age 37, I think he wants to make one more run at the cup. And as hard as it would be to see him leave, it's it's the right decision, is it not? Oh, absolutely. It's the right decision. And you guys did a terrific thing on Monday going back to, since the Hawks were playing Winnipeg, going back to the last time they were there, when, you know, the eve of uh, Jeremy Colleton being uh, told he's no longer services, no longer needed. And the difference in, in statistics from then till now and it really does come back to the goaltending. I mean, it, and I know you and Charlie talked about it on your podcast, NBC Sports Chicago, but um, it, it's a stark, stark difference where they were dead last in save percentage to now third, and it's all about Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, certainly the play in front of them is much better, 
But you talked about the highlight reel goal last night. I mean, how many of those does he have a week, right? I yeah. mean, just he keeps you in games even a couple games ago when, you know, you have the same old kind of issues that the Hawks have had all season. There's two goals in 13 seconds. There's a team not ready at the start of the game. You know, stuff that you still scratch your head. You know, you think that stuff has got to be better and would be better. And it's not. I mean, it still rears its ugly head. But ultimately, you know, there's a guy who keeps you in games. And and two, three, four times a week, he gives you one of those, how did he just do that? How did he just stop that puck? How did he grab that puck before it hit the net? The future of Marc-Andre Fleury. Do you think it's here in Chicago? Do you think he'll be moved at the trade deadline? 312-332-3776 is our phone line. You can uh, reach us that way. You can uh, text us uh, at uh, at Boyle NBCS on Twitter. Or Brian Hanley, what is your 34? What is what's the 534. 534. Um, try 34 and see what try happens. Try 34. <laughs> get that Brian get Hanley out of some bed guy, on a Saturday morning. You'll get some guy in Dublin who's hungover. I don't know. <laughs> Good morning. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, we'll discuss that. What's the poll question you have up there? It's, it's about Brandon Hagel, is it not? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there. It, you know, the Daily Faceoff, which has had a busy week, right? Uh, speaking of Mark Andre Fleury, weren't they the ones that said the Golden Knights? Now that uh, Robin is injured out there, might be interested in bringing uh, Mark Andre Fleury back. And to the point where the GM just said, absolutely not. No truth to that. Not going to happen. But the Daily Faceoff said that four teams have already contacted the Hawks, and the Hawks are asking for the world for Brandon Hagel. 23, um, cap-friendly deal, $1.5 million left the rest of this season, two more years after that, and we see what he can do. I mean, his motor, his heart, maybe much bigger than his actual talent, but the talent is there. Anyway, four teams supposedly talking to the Hawks about it, and the Hawks would like, at minimum, a a first-round pick and a top prospect and maybe more. So the Twitter poll question is, if the Hawks were to get at minimum or at least a first-round pick and a top prospect, should they make that trade and send Brandon Hagel uh, to another team? Yes or no? It's very simple. And it's maybe not so simple because we don't know don't know who's going to make that, sh- that call, Kyle Davidson or a GM to be named later. Yeah, it's... Um... This is a tough decision for Kyle Davidson, and you know we'll, we may get an answer to who the general manager is in in the upcoming week. But I, I struggle with this one because I love Bra- Brandon Hagel a lot. He brings a lot of energy to this lineup. He's able to play up and down it. As you said, he's he's cost effective at, at one and a half million dollars uh, this year and for the next two, and that's why there is so much interest in him. Sure, because he is so versatile. Because he has some edge to his game, because he has finish as well, um, he would be a great complementary piece to a, a Stanley, Stanley Cup contender. So this is where I this is where I I I play that game of where would Brandon Hagel be on a Blackhawks Stanley Cup winner, and in all likelihood he would be a third line winger. He, he he's been playing you know top six minutes. He's been on the top line for, you know, a good portion of this season. That's because of the talent level that the Blackhawks have. That That's not where he would be when this team is ultimately going to make a run at the Silver Chalice. So I would say if you offer me number one and 
a top level prospect, I I I would have to probably take that deal as as hard as it would be. I mean, you you can certainly build with Brandon Hagel, but I need now more pieces. I I need to, you know, flush the system with more talent. And uh, if I have an opportunity to add two or possibly three pieces for one. Even though I'm trying to out out of one of those three pieces, I'm trying to find a Hagel. Probably, uh, I've got I got to make that decision, and I've got to pull the trigger. How about you? Uh, I'm in line with you on that, and uh, you know you, all the caveats. Okay, if, if he's going to a playoff team, a top team, who's looking for those final few pieces, it's a lower round, lower first round pick, unless you are willing to wait a year. And you you brought up a great point this week about. It's a depleted draft by all counts. It's not the greatest draft, but is that because the scouting's been limited because of pandemics and people aren't, scouts aren't really sure about, you know, their analysis and it's mostly on video or whatever it is. The the intriguing team on the daily faceoff report is the New Jersey Devils. Because as we sit here today, I believe they are, according to the, to the points currently, they'd be fourth most likely team to land the top pick in the draft. That changes everything, doesn't it? Now, again, I don't know the veracity of this report if the Devils are, in fact, in the mix here. But if they're the ones offering you their first-round pick this year, I, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd get my two men in a truck from uh, DeBrinket's house and move right over Brandon Hagel's condo. <laughs> Let's get back to Flurry for a second. Uh, we've got some help here from Tyler Aki. Uh, Flurry was asked this week, would he entertain the thoughts of coming back to the Blackhawks? And here's what Flurry had to say. Yeah, I think it's been been good. You know, obviously, I wish um, we would be winning more, which would be, you know, uh, I earned that playoff race, definitely. But um, love my teammates, you know, great bunch of guys, great staff, you know, locker room. And uh, the fans have been good. The people around the town has been, it's been good to me, you know, so, um, you know, only a positive uh things to say about about this place and then mark andre fleury was asked about um if he waived his no trade clause and again he's got a modified no trade which means he can submit 10 teams that he doesn't want to be sent to and obviously the blackhawks would would have you know plenty 21 other teams that they could uh they could try to make a deal with and, and the understanding is that um, they won't move him unless he agrees to to that. That that they kind of have a gentleman's agreement. Gentleman's right? agreement. Yeah. But so here's Flurry on a situation he would consider joining. I don't know if if I move, I think I would love to have a chance to win. You know, it's that's why I play for and it's why I love. You know, but uh, I guess it's still a big if at this point. Both sound bites had the words winning. I love it here, but we're not winning enough. I want to go to a place where I can win. Uh, no surprise that the competitive player that we've seen on the ice at Fifth Third Arena during practice, in the warm-ups, challenging Patrick Kane and, and going through shootouts in warm-ups, which is unheard of, being one of the last players to leave the ice in a practice, it doesn't surprise me that he wants to win again. So this is going to be a family decision. Look, you heard the story about Robin Leonard this week, and I, I know things did not end well for Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas as far as 
how management handled that, how Flurry found out via social media that he was was on the move. Uh, there, there, there was he could have it could have been treated a lot better and Should deserved and deserved yeah. to be treated better in Vegas. But if if the story is true that Leonard has a torn labrum on a shoulder that he's already had surgery on and that they are built to win. I mean, you don't go and get Jack Eichel and uh, give up a first-round pick and and more if you are uh, just just trying to make it to the dance. And now he's on the ice, too. Yeah, now he's on the ice. Uh, So you've got to... This is going to be really interesting. I, I don't think the door is shut on Fleury going back to Vegas in a in a rental role here. I mean, this would be it would make all the sense in the world. He's beloved in that city. He brought and ushered professional sports into that town. He took him to the to the Stanley Cup final a, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And uh and Robin Leonard is by all accounts dealing with a serious injury. So I, even though they have shot down the idea of bringing him back, I don't think that door is completely closed, Brian. So you think maybe he's the, the GM's just trying to make sure that he has some leverage if he goes down that road and talks to the Hawks? He's, he's trying to make it sound like they're not desperate. Well, I, I, I think as soon as the word leaked that, you know, what Leonard was dealing with, it made just too much sense that you would try to fit flurry into sure. the the Vegas scenario and I think he was trying to get out in front of it and realize that you know these rumors are going to be constant and and he you know the team was going to be asked about it and he's going to be asked about it the coaching staff will be asked about it so to try to Well that's yeah you know that's what he said I normally wouldn't even go public with it but he didn't want this to be some basically a distraction right he he just he felt like compelled to go public and say it's not it's not accurate. It's not happening. He was pretty, pretty adamant. I mean, didn't leave himself any wiggle room no. in, in terms of what he said. No, he did not. So we'll see what happens there. Your thoughts on the future of Mark Andre Fleury? Would you entertain uh, a trade for Brandon Hagel if someone offered you a a first round pick and a top level prospect, or maybe multiple picks? Even though, as Brian has said, and we've said on this show. This is not a deep draft, the upcoming draft. That's coming up. We're also going to be joined by Colby Cohen. He's uh, one of the broadcasters for the Chicago Blackhawks. Does a great job in the booth uh, on pre and post. He'll be in studio with me tomorrow as the top seed in the Eastern Conference, the Florida Panthers, come to the United Center. We'll talk to Colby Cohen next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Colby Cohen from the Blackhawks will join us momentarily. Let's squeeze in Ray from Lincolnwood. Ray, good morning. Uh, welcome to the show. How you doing? Okay. Uh, will we ever see Jonathan Taze play again this season? Well, yes. And if not, is there the possibility that he may retire after this season because of his concussion problems in the past? All right, Way. Well, good news. Yesterday he was on the ice before the morning skate. Uh, he is coming back from... 
uh, concussion that he sustained uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I think, uh, by all accounts, that he'll be back in the lineup in uh, in the not-too-distant future here. They're taking it slow, as, as you should, and it's been well-documented what he's dealt with uh, in his career. I don't think... I don't think retirement is in the cards for him, but uh, oh, you, n- you never say never on, on anything. Close the door. It's close. Obviously, John missed all of last season while he dealt with a few things. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think his career is is over uh, as far as the Chicago Blackhawks are concerned. I'm sure we'll see him, you know, on the ice soon. Let's get to uh, let's get to our guests. Colby Cohen, former NHL defenseman, Blackhawks broadcaster, joins us now on ESPN 1000. How are you doing this morning, Colby? What's going on, PB? It was uh, so interesting to hear that. And just to echo what you said, um, I would definitely expect to see John, Jonathan Taves back here soon. And, you know, I actually asked Derek uh, if there was any chance we would see him on Sunday against, against the Panthers. And while I don't think that that's going to happen, I do think there's a really good chance we'll see him here in the next couple of games. Like, I wouldn't expect this to, to go on um, too much longer. You've had a, a front-row seat to watch Marc-Andre Fleury this year. You're actually in Montreal when he won his 500th, and it, that was probably one of the most, uh, you know, special moments you're going to see in sports where a player reaches a huge milestone in his hometown and of all places, they're chanting his name in Montreal. Where did last night's performance rank as far as what you've seen from Flurry since he's been a Blackhawk? Yeah, I mean, they're starting to blend together, PB, because uh, this guy has just been so incredible. And, you know, I- I've been running out of things to say when he makes these saves that, you know, you're getting ready to look at your monitor in the TV booth because you're starting to try to figure out how you're going to break down the goal. And then he makes the save and you just don't even know what to say because you almost had to look away to start preparing to talk about a goal for the other team. So um, he has just been, he's been everything that is advertised about him. And I think that that's, you know, such a cool situation because, you know, a lot of times you hear about other players or you see them from a distance and you see one thing, but then maybe, you know, you get them up close and personal and, um, you know, the old saying, you never want to meet your idol or whatever. I mean, and, and you know, this guy is probably a lot of people's idol in the hockey world. And, and he's just, he's amazing. I mean, he's as good off the ice as he, on, as he is on the ice. Um, you know, I think back to the game in Vancouver, the one nothing win that the Blackhawks had earlier this year, you know, where he was just, uh, again, making save after save that just you don't really have any business saving when you're a human being. So, <laughs> you know, he, he's been it's so fun to watch. I mean, you and I sit in the studio most nights together and we just, you know, we're, we're in awe of this guy. You know, Colby, that's that's the thing when you hear Derek King say he's almost a super fan. It's not just what he does between the pipes. And some of these playoff teams could use that, not that kind of stability and, and leadership off the ice as well. I mean, his, his personality, sense of humor, charisma, um, you know, is unflappable and, and, you know, seems, seems to fit in immediately with whomever he, you know, joins. It's, 
those are qualities that you know are very special beyond uh, the highlight reel goals, uh, uh, the saves he gives you most nights. Yeah, I mean, you look at him and you look around the league, I mean, find a team that doesn't need him. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I mean, I know there's probably a couple, but, like, not that many. I mean, it would be like saying, do you want, you know, uh, a, a player of Aaron Rodgers caliber on your team or Tom Brady? I mean, you know, like, that. that's kind of the situation here. I mean, you're looking at a guy who is just the best of the best at what he does for a very long time, um, and he's not a guy you have to worry about bringing into your locker room. I mean, he's, you know, uh, he's just, he's special. And this market has, has watched re- some real special players over the years. And Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, I, I don't take it for granted. And, I, I, you know, Pat, you mentioned I was in Montreal, which was, you know, a moment where, I had goosebumps and even Pat Foley who has been around for and seen highs and the lows. And I mean, listening to him, even standing next to him, talk about, you know, flower and listening to the fans in Montreal, give him this, you know, serenade him over the last couple of minutes of that game. It it was Pat. It was really special. Colby Cohen, Blackhawks broadcaster, former NHL defenseman, joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. All right, here's a question I have for you as a former player. We've heard in the last few weeks Derek King say, you know, sleepy performance, uh, too many passengers. Like Thursday night, for example, you know, they get off to that slow start. They have Soderblom in net. So you're kind of a uh, heightened awareness to... to Realize that you got a, a guy making just, uh, you know, his second or third NHL start. And you get yet, Derek King saying afterwards, too many passengers. We see the work ethic of this team. I think it's a great bunch of guys. Why, why are we seeing on a somewhat regular basis these slow starts, these sleepy... Like, I, I don't understand when, when all these guys know that they're on a team, you know, that's that's needs every point possible to even stay in the thought of being in a playoff race, and they're fighting for jobs. I, I, does that surprise you at all that you've seen that um, on a somewhat regular basis here over the last few weeks? You know, I look at that, Pat, and and I think, you know, you can attribute a lot of it to youth and just not really being at a point of your career where you – uh, you know, know how to manage those types of, of, of nights. I mean, coaches will always tell players and will talk to young players especially and will tell you that, um, you know, the NHL, you're not going to have an A game every night. But the good players who stay in the NHL and the, and the good players that have long careers and not necessarily even all-star type of careers, but, you know, good careers, 10 years in the league or – or eight to 12 years, somewhere in that range, because they know how to manage their off night. If they're not feeling good, if you're, if it's a, if it's a midweek game and in the middle of the season and you, you need to find a little bit of extra energy, um, you know, your legs feel a little bit heavy from the road trip and, you know, managing how you play when you don't feel good. And if you, if you are a little sleepy physically, let's say, you know, learning how to, you know, manage your performance. And, you know, I look at a guy like Calvin DeHaan, uh, you know, a guy that 
uh, I think has gotten a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about him, about the way he's been playing over this last month and a half or even two months. And, you know, you look at a guy like him and he just understands how to manage a game uh, when maybe he doesn't have his legs or he's feeling a little bit beat up. I interviewed him last night. He said he's got bruises and tattoos all over his body from blocking shots. You got to think there's some nights he comes out and he just maybe doesn't feel it. But making sure you don't have a, a C minus game and managing that off night to make it a C plus or a B minus and sort of, uh, you know, being able to bring something to the table. So, you know, I think a lot of it is youth PB and I think a lot of it is, you know, the, the lot, you know, there's just con- constant juggling and, they're still trying to find uh, combinations they like down the middle. Um, you know, I think that not having Jonathan Taves for the last couple of weeks in those types of moments really hurts you. I think that he's, you know, certainly the leader, the vocal, spiritual uh, leader of that team. Um, so I, I think there's there's a number of factors, but I, I do think, you know, youth and uh, some inexperience for a lot of guys definitely plays into that uh, a little more frequently. I'm glad you brought up that interview, uh, uh, Kobe, because last night it struck me while watching that interview, two one two things. One, I'm glad he didn't show the bruises because he might have had to cut away. And two, if they remake Grizzly Adams, get him, get him a bear, and he's the perfect guy to be Grizzly Adams. That, that guy, I mean, he... he he intimidates you, right? He's got a sense of humor, you can tell, but he, he's, he's all business. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been around this league for a while. Um, he really has. I think he's a leader in, in, in any dressing room now at this stage of his career. Uh, and he, he does have a great personality. I mean, I, I am fortunate to, to get to know these guys and travel with these guys. I've known Calvin a long time. We, we kind of came into the American League together. Um, you know, and then of course he made his way onto the NHL, left me in the dust, but he, uh, certainly is a, is a good guy to talk to and, and a good leader. And, uh, you know, he's, he's played committed hockey this year. He's, he's got a brewery up in Ontario. Um, you know, and I think he, he definitely can play the part that you're talking about with the, you know, uh, the, the grizzly. Um, you know, probably send him out into the woods and, and tell him you only get to eat what you kill. He'll probably be full. So um, uh, he, he was he was a fun, I mean, I enjoyed that interview with him last night. And I, I you know, I always enjoy talking the game with him a little bit. And uh, someone like Calvin DeHaan is going to draw some interest as we approach that, that March 21st trade deadline. And, and that's the that's the tough part of this business. Like we watched a performance from Mark Andre Fleury last night, and we say to ourselves, "I, I don't want that to leave town." I, I, you know, how how is this team going to survive when Mark Andre Fleury is elsewhere next year? Um, th- you won't have to worry about shootouts anymore. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, like between now and March twenty first, we don't know if it's going to be Kyle Davidson pulling the trigger. For now, it is. Um, how active do you think this team will be? And, and, and how tough is it on the players? I was thinking about that the other night when we, we saw that kind of uneven performance um, against Columbus. I'm like, you know, I wonder if some of these guys are hearing these trade rumors and, and it, it's, it's affecting, you know, how they play on a given night. 
Well, the guys will ask me, hey, send me a text with what team scouts are there in the building. And then if they don't like the teams, they all, you know, lay an egg to make sure that the uh, <laughs> scouts and the GMs aren't happy with what they saw a little bit. You well, know? there were, but, there were uh, 21 of them there last night. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and listen, the team played really well. A lot of guys played really well. So, yeah, look, I think that that weighs on you. I think it doesn't just weigh on those players. Um, guys, I think that it weighs on players in the American League as well because a lot of times when these deals are happening and prospects are getting swapped, um, you know, I, I lived through some different trade deadlines and the, the Bruins were always buyers at the trade deadline because they were, you know, looking for a Stanley Cup. So we'd be practicing in uh, Providence and guys would be getting pulled off the ice in Providence because, you know, we're, the, the team was trading for Thomas Caverlet or whatever and, um, you know, there was going to be some prospects included. So they'd literally be pulling guys off the ice in American League practice. Sometimes they got traded. Sometimes they didn't even get traded. So it's, it's an uneasy time for all hockey players. Um, you know, unless your last name is, is Kane or Crosby or Ovechkin. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're keeping your eye on, on Twitter and, and, you know, on what's going on because you, you just never really know. Um, what's going to happen? And and look, I, like whatever happens with Flower happens. Obviously, I think it's it's pretty well documented. I mean, he answered those questions pretty upfront uh, recently, and and um, you know, I hope he's here. You know, and then I hope he resigns here because you know it, it's just such a treat to get to to get to watch a guy like that. Um, but ultimately, this this is the business that we all chose, and and whether we're you know, players, broadcasters, coaches, you know, GMs, you know, there's obviously a lot of dominoes that, you know, I think still need to fall here in, in Chicago here over the coming days, weeks, you know, whatever it will be. And, and then we'll start to get a little bit clearer of a picture of, of how, how things are going to look down the stretch. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, whatever, I, I just hope whatever happens, I hope Mark andre Fleury is happy personally. I think that he, he, uh, you know, you root for a guy like that's happiness. It, it, you, you really do. More, more than anything else, you, you, you root for his happiness. Uh, last one for me, Kobe. Uh, when you talk about Derek King, he said, you know, he's been doing too much with line changes. He's been doing too much with mixing and matching. He had an all-wings line earlier this week. Um, is that just something that will come with experience, or is that the kind of the necessity of this team not having all the star power and certainly with Taves out and, and guys in and out of lineup, he just has to do because that's all he's got left. Yeah, so here's the thing about Derek King. Derek King is going to take every bullet for his players from now until he is or isn't a coach. And it doesn't matter whether he's here or Rockford or if he's coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs. Derek is always going to deflect the attention away from his players. Um and that's what he does, you know, and I'm not saying he's a liar by any means because he's the farthest thing from it. But, you know, Derek remembers what it's like to be a player. And I think that that's such a unique thing uh, for, for this coach in particular, because most coaches that were players and most general managers that were players and not all, they forget pretty quickly that they were players and they forget those experiences as players. And the reason that I say that is because I did play for some people that were former players and general managers that were former players. And it always amazed me 
how quick they were to, you know, not be able to either relate to a player or to put themselves in their shoes from a situation. And Derek has not forgotten that. And that's one of the most impressive traits and will carry him far and make him very successful at any level that he coaches because he understands how to relate to the players, the situations they're going through um, and they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, hockey, business, and otherwise. And, you know, I think that Derek was is deflecting the fact that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have enough centers that can, can, can go out there. And, and, you know, he didn't feel that night that he had guys that could win, you know, either face-offs or get the job done in the defensive zone, whatever the case may be with what he was seeing through his eyes. So he mixed things up. He's trying to get certain guys going. He's had, you know, at times this year when you threw Alex to Brinkat with certain people, they would get going. And Brandon Hagel can be like that. Obviously there's Patrick Kane, who's Patrick Kane, um, and can do anything at any moment of any hockey game. So he's just trying to find a little bit of life uh, in that in the group, especially on that night that you're referring to um, where – you know, nothing was going well and not a lot of players necessarily showed up for that one. So, you know, but I can just tell you right now, he, he is always going to deflect away from the players. He is always going to take the heat um, and stand up for his players. And that doesn't mean he doesn't hold people accountable because I've been, you know, around that locker room. I've been between the benches as a broadcaster. I travel with the team. He holds people accountable. He does it privately behind closed doors he does not do it through the media and he does not you know do it through the fan base but he holds his players accountable he did it in rockford he's done it here in chicago and you know that that's kind of his methodology and sometimes you know it comes off as he'll he'll do some wonky things with the lines and then he'll say well it was my fault i didn't get the right guys together i didn't play this person enough uh, when that's not always the case. And he's a hell of an actor because he was he, in Breaking Bad. There was nobody better than, than Derek King. He really was. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Col- Colby, great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of so your you Saturday. Guys, PB, it- you guys have Ryan Worsowski coming on next, right? Yes, we do. Oh, well, that, make sure you guys tell him hello from me. I, I was teammates with his brother for a couple of years. I've, I've spent holidays over at the Worsowski house in, in Boston and, and, you know, what an incredible family that that family is. His brother obviously just played in the Olympics. And, um, you know, Ryan is one of the, the up-and-coming, exciting coaches that, that we will definitely see behind an NHL bench here in the near future because he, you know, his, his rise through the ranks has been super impressive, and he's a super impressive guy. So tell him I said hello, and I'll have to – you know, tune in for, for when he pops on here in the next couple of minutes. Sounds good. We'll pass along the uh, the comments, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning uh, when we get ready for a little 1.30 p.m. pregame bring show. bring Irish coffee. Bring the coffee. All right, that's Colby Cohen from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we got more of the Hockey Show coming up after this. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Hits. 
dropped off to Robertson, back to Hitch, shot, no goal, what a save by Marc-Andre Fleury, unbelievable. The future Hall of Famer Marc-Andre Fleury was at it again last night at the United Center, that was the call from Chris Vosters and Colby Cohen on NBC Sports Chicago last night, welcome back to the Hockey Show, Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you, fourth shutout uh, as a Hawk for Marc-Andre Fleur. I think it was the 71st, I believe, of his career. That save on Rupe Hints. I, I think it's the best one he's had this this season, and there's been a lot to pick from, Brian. Something, right? And yeah. Again, going back to the, the save percentage and, and the night and day difference, and it's mostly because of him. I mean, it, they're third in the league with nine nine two five since... They were 32nd and couldn't stop anything, and no one in front was helping Lankinen or whomever was going to be behind him. And he's been like, and I'm with you, Pat. When you see what the future looks like with a with a young goalie coming in and getting wet behind the ears, you, you know you're going to miss Mark Andre Fleury. But I think realistically, you're going to miss Mark Andre Fleury after the 21st. Yeah, and uh, who else is going to be joining him? What's our poll question that involves Brandon Hagel on this day? Well, if reports are true that you could get a uh, first-round pick and a top prospect for Brandon Hagel, should the Hawks trade him, yes or no? And Tyler Aki, I, I, th- I saw the earlier results. What, what are we up to now? It, it doesn't seem like it's a very close call. It is overwhelmingly in favor of making a move. 83% say yes, you got to pull the trigger, and just 17% saying no, hold on to him. Last night we got to see Lucas Reichel and his uh, – third game as a NHL player. God, he's fast, isn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, it's that's a type of player that I think Patrick Kane would, would like to play with on a regular basis for a bulk of the season. I know he's had some success with Dylan Strom, but uh, I would love to see him with, uh, with a speedy centerman who can create time and space for Patrick Kane. So you're going to see him likely again tomorrow. So another two-game stint up here and then back to Rockford. I mean, you're not going to go past that 10-game limit and burn the year of his entry-level contract, See, right? you know, that's that's the decision that, that Kyle Davidson has to make. There's a theory that you don't want to start the clock past nine games. But there's also a theory that if he plays this year and you you kind of start the clock this season, you – may not have to pay as much when it comes to getting him his next extension because you'll be negotiating that at the end of next season. And you'll be kind of basing it on a 20-game sample size this season and whatever he ends up playing next year. Instead of starting the clock next year and he accumulates more points over the those the following two years, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that that there's some belief that they they think he's going to be a player, and that they might want to start the clock sooner rather than later. So we'll I'm see what happens. For, I'm all for it because you know any experience he can get this year, especially if he's uh, skating with Patrick, would be invaluable and and really accelerate. You know, this rebuild's going to take time, but anything you can do to accelerate it, even a, a little bit. And I think with him, it'd be more than a little bit. I think you have to do it. Up next, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk to Ryan Worsofsky. He is the head coach of the Chicago Wolves. They are in first place. They are in action tonight at All-State Arena. 
We'll chat with him next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball, Chicago's Big Ten team. Join Coach Collins and the Cats at Welsh Ryan Arena on Tuesday, February 22nd for a special Tuesday promotion. All tickets are $22. Buy now at nusports.com. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios and downtown Chicago. Thanks to our sponsor, Bettenhausen, CDJR, and Tinley Park. And uh, let's bring in another friend of the show, the Chicago Wolves. They are in first place. They take on the Iowa Wild tonight at 7 o'clock at Allstate Arena. They are top the Central Division. And their head coach, the youngest head coach in the AHL, Ryan Worsofsky, joins us now on the Hockey Show. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? morning guys how are you guys doing today excellent you know hockey's just one big family we had colby cohen on from the blackhawks earlier and he sends his best he said he's yeah and he played with your brother and uh has spent some time with the wasofsky family and he uh, ought to be your agent there the way he said <laughs> yeah all those nice things yeah. about you i've known colby for a, a long time obviously going back play with my brother at boston university and then in the bruins organization they were roommates so got to know him and his family throughout the uh you know the years and uh, just a really good hockey mind, and obviously he's doing a great job with the, with the Hawks. Ryan, give us a little background uh, and what has uh, transpired in, in your life to get you here to Chicago at the age of 33. Well, I think, um, you know, I try not to rush it. I know everyone, you know, looks and says, oh, he's youngest coach in the league. But, you know, I, I, I coached five years in the East Coast Hockey League and uh, three as an assistant and two as a head coach. And then um, was lucky enough to have Mike Bellucci hire me as the assistant coach. Um, in Charlotte, and then we won a championship. So um, a lot of success early on with our teams. But, um, you know, I, I try to just uh, stay in the moment. And it's kind of what I, I tell our teams is we're going to take this thing day by day. I think, uh, you know, as, as human beings, we look towards the future a lot. And that's um, especially today's day and age with COVID and whatnot. You have to stay grounded and, and be where your feet are. And that's what I've kind of tried to do um, and just work as hard as I can Um to have success, whether that's being an assistant coach or a head coach. So um, a lot of luck, a lot of help along the way, a lot of support from family and friends. Um, but it's been a good adventure to start, that's for sure. And, and your success last year, you lead the team to a division title. You're in first place, as, as uh, PB said. Um, the, some of the stats are amazing. The The team has allowed the second-fewest goals in the league at 2.61 per game. Seven goaltenders so far this season, an eighth coming tonight. Maybe you can talk about him because everyone's excited to see the Russian uh, up-and-coming star. But it just it's amazing. Fewest shots allowed and the most shots for, and, and you're on a margin of plus 10 on that, and that will be a, a record. It's the largest or AHL largest since 2001-02. You're spoiled for choice about what the strength of your team is, it seems like. Yeah, um, well, we have some really good players really good goaltenders that have come in and help us. Um, you know, we kind of, as a coaching staff, really wanted to preach our, our, our defensive zone coverage from day one. Um, I, I'm sure our players are, are sick of me t- talking about it so much, but I really think it's a big key of, of going to play offense. The offense is the, is the zone where you get to have a lot of fun and you can be creative and 
That's what all this, this generation's coming up uh, doing is their skill work and their shot and their hands. Um, if we can focus on playing tight defensively, uh, limiting the shots, limiting the chances against, we'll have a ton of time in the offensive zone. And um, credit to our leadership group that have kind of led the way in doing that. Our goaltenders obviously have made big saves when we needed them to. Um, so it, it's been a real big key for us you know, since day one of training camp to really focus on um, what we're doing without the puck. And, and, and I think, um, you know, it's just been a really big key for us to have success and, and to score goals and play offense. We've got to get out of our own end. Ryan Warsofsky, the head coach of the Chicago Wolves, joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Wolves are at home tonight against the Iowa Wild, 7 o'clock at All-State Arena. How are you uh, when it comes to, to nail-biters? Because you guys have played 10 one-goal games in your last 14, including six that have gone to overtime. So how are you holding up with all these tight games? Well, it's, it's funny. when, when you, I heard a coach say once, when you win, you're relieved. When you lose, you don't know if you're going to win again. So um, <laughs> I'm learning early in my career here that, you know, the hair gets go, doesn't grow as much, and I get, I'm getting grayer sooner than I'd like. But um, I get what I signed up for. It's a stressful job. It's, um, you know, there's, there's moments where you, you, you like you said, it's their nail-biter moments. But those are the moments, those are experiences that you, you, you gather and you learn from, whether it's a success or a failure. Um, you got to learn from it and look back and, and see what you could do differently. And um, we're, we're having a ton of experience in these situations because come playoff time, uh, most all the games are going to be play- one-goal games. So uh, we've worked on our six-on-five or five-on-six in, the, in these last 13 games. So um, you, you can look at the negative and think we're in a little bit of a funk. But um, I think hopefully when we get into April and May, we can look back as, into these experiences and learn as a group you know, what we need to do to, to go on a long run in the playoffs. Well, Colby talked about your great family. What's it like to coach your brother last season? Uh, how does how does that work? Do you treat him tougher than the rest, or you know, does does do you take a little more lip from him? How, how does that work out exactly? Yeah, I thought it was. It actually went pretty well. Um, you know, with the COVID year and a short season, um, you know, we made it work. I think as an older guy, he's, he's he knows what he needs to do to get ready. He's a he's a vocal guy. He's good for our room. I thought it was. A great you know trade for for Carolina to put them on our organization to help our young players. We had a lot of young kids that you know really could have been playing junior in the OHL in the Western League, and he really helped those those players. He was, in, he was almost an addition to the coaching staff. Um, you know, we had a couple moments where uh, him and I had some heated battles, but it was all good. He knew when it came to the rink, um, it was business, and it was uh, me trying to help him get better. And, and when when the, we left the rink or whatever it might be, we were we were brothers again. So I think. Uh, it went really well, and I thought it was a real positive because he helped their younger players uh, immensely. Ryan, run down a couple players that uh, folks, if they buy a ticket to come watch the Wolves take on Iowa tonight, that they should uh, pay special attention to when they're at the All-State Arena. Yeah, I think you know we have a lot of them. I think that we have a little bit of a mix. We have some really good older players in Nason, who's um, you know really scoring a lot right now right, right now for us. Potterowski's leading the league in points and um, by a large margin is a really skilled player that's creative and played um, some NHL games this year. Um, some younger players, Jack Drury, who's from Chicago. Um, he's his first year in the American League and as a North American pro, but you would think he's a 10-year vet. Just the way he plays, he's a mature player, 200 foot. He's going to have a, a long NHL career. Um, you know, Ryan Suzuki is a first-round pick a couple years ago who's uh, playing up the middle with us and is just getting better um, each and every game. He's getting more and more comfortable at the speed and the pace of the game. 
Um, he, he's a fun one to watch because I just think he's he's really improving and uh, what he can do with the hockey puck, and, and that's what his you know his craft is. Um, you know, I could go through our whole roster. You know, Joey Keane is another young defenseman. I, I think he's got a bright future in the National Hockey League. And Jesper Selgren um, came over from Sweden. Um, has been really good for us. Uh, I mean, Max Lajoie, who's been around a little bit, played some games up. Uh, just, you know what you're getting every single night, and he's been really good for us and how we need to play. So, um, you know, we've we got a good group. We got a, we have a deep team. Um, and when we're playing the way we should be playing, we're a dangerous hockey team. And then, um, you know, in between the pipes, we'll have Kochikov, who's came over from Russia, um, highly sought. You know, and I think everyone's excited to get him in between the pipes, and um, he's got a bright future, it looks like. So, we're happy with our team. We got, like I said, deep team that, that we, you know, when we're playing right, we could do a lot of damage. Ryan, good luck tonight. Good luck the rest of the way and uh, make a nice solid run at the, at the Calder Cup. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. That's Ryan Warsawski, the head coach of the Chicago Wolves. Back to wrap up the hockey show after this.